This is the Epilog Audio Experience. Quick disclaimer for a podcast, the SOS show, points discussed in this podcast should not be relied upon as conclusive medical advice in any case. The host shall not be a substitute for proper medical professional. You must seek professional help in case of any requirement. Thank you. We've brought you multiple stories of our esteemed guests sharing with us their journeys with bipolar or OCD or clinical depression or schizophrenia. Today, we have another inspiring story. So stay tuned for the episode number 81 of the SOS show with me, Sajitha. Our guest for today is Daniel Lobo. Daniel is the founder of a mental health social enterprise that supports individuals to thrive irrespective of their emotional distress. It focuses on building a strong, close-knit community to strengthen each person's capacity for greater awareness, connection and resilience. Daniel found this mental health social enterprise because of his own tryst with bipolar disorder which was diagnosed 6 years ago and we are so fortunate to have Daniel Daniel share his journey with us get inspired Hi Daniel welcome to a podcast the SOS show and thank you for being a part of this very very important conversation and sharing your experience and journey with mental health issues So Daniel I'm going to sort of start this conversation with one of my very uh, prominent questions that I've asked uh, uh, with my guests earlier in the episodes as well Tell me about your journey with bipolar when was the first time you came to know about suffering from it Sure so firstly thank you so much for having me Suchita I've sure. been going through some of the episodes and I think some of the conversations are really really important um so it's a pleasure being here um I guess my first brush with um sort of dealing with bipolar I think it sort of went back to my dad Uh, so my mm-hmm. dad dealt with bipolar disorder for almost i would say 40 years and oh my god um grow, growing up i mean I, i didn't really know too much about it i was just kind of an experience i i could experience him he was you know he was an amazing man and um but but i could see that there were sort of different sides of him did, did you know that he had bipolar Yeah, I mean at that time it was called manic depression. Um, mm. you know, we don't know so much about it as we mm. do today. So there yeah. were, you know, lots of different diagnoses and medicines and um yeah, it was a difficult journey for sure. Uh, but I guess that's where I, that was my experience. And I I as a kid I didn't know what he was dealing with. Um so so I guess that was my first brush with it. but mm-hmm. but i guess um so just as an introduction so i've you know i've done um i am a, i grew up in a small town in mysore did my mm-hmm. engineering did a bit of software consultancy did, sort of gave that up and became a teacher in a slum school in pune for a couple of years which really mm-hmm. changed my life and then you know over the last 10 years have been uh working in different sort of fields um and my previous job sort of had me travel to different parts of the world and mm-hmm. it was an amazing job uh but i think because of the constant traveling i would you know co- uh, tra- travel a- across time zones uh so my circadian rhythm was all over the place and i think something probably triggered off the genetic you know thing in me and um i w- i remember being in hong kong uh in 2000 i think it was 15 or so to the 14 15 
and suddenly you know um like it was i, I was a very different person to everyone around me um you know be, um like I, i would sleep for a couple of hours at night i would have lots of ideas and energy and it would just like i i felt like you know i i was superman you know mm-hmm. uh, it felt really good for me uh, but i i remember people saying you know you're talking really loud like you're not this person you're actually a very calm person what's happening and i could see all these connections uh, you know it was it was a what i thought was i'd achieved some sort of purpose and i knew what i wanted to do in life but the reality was that i was losing a little bit of touch with reality right and that was my first brush mm-hmm. of something happening to me and i didn't really know what it was uh, mm-hmm. so they, we had to i there to fly me back to india i went and saw a psychiatrist and he said listen this is what you have your dad had it unfortunately it's come up in you um and you know at that time i said impossible doc i'm totally fine don't worry about me because by that that time i was okay i was coming down you know so the thing that people have to know about bipolar disorder is that you swing between highs and lows and the highs can get really really high um and the lows can get you know really bad as well so that's mm-hmm. lower but i'm talking mm-hmm. about lows i'm talking about depression and you know that sort of stuff um mm-hmm. but luckily for me i like usually when you go, get really high it sort of goes to a point where you might have to you know check yourself into a hospital or someone checks you into a hospital luckily that didn't happen for me um but you know for the next 6 months i was kind of riding this hi it was very it was a beautiful place to be because i was very productive i was making lots of conversations uh it felt like i was being you know really purposeful in life and then mm-hmm. the doctor had said you know you, you don't have to take meds now but 6 months down the line or sometime that low will come and that low did come i remember being at an event in rajasthan with 100 people from all over the world and i suddenly started getting panic attacks it suddenly started you know like i didn't know what was happening to me and mm-hmm. that's when i think i realized that okay something is off here we need to do mm-hmm. something about it so right. I, i that's when you know the next 6 months was you know intense depression it was very like it was a really difficult uh, space for me but that's when i realized okay i i probably have this and i've got to deal with it so yeah that's mm-hmm. my kind of long answer to your question about my brush with bipolar right. disorder i guess but then tell me this um so something triggered in 2015 mm. and you felt like you were losing touch with reality and then the doctor said that it's bipolar where you went through extreme high emotions which mm. was manic and then you went to extreme low emotions which was depression mm. and that is still continuing and you are on meds but what is it daniel that triggered did you try and figure out that what could have possibly triggered can you are you saying that anyone can get triggered anytime and then realize that they are perhaps bipolar that could be hereditary um so there are a couple of things right firstly mm-hmm. i i always tell people we don't say you are bipolar it's we always say you have bipolar it's almost mm-hmm. a it's not you know it's not part of my identity it's like you never say i am mm. a diabetic right it's probably better mm. to say you have diabetes it's something mm. that you have and you deal with it so that's mm. what which i just want to say because it's important for everyone who talks about mm. it sure. um second is you know so so there are multiple reasons why these things happen right mm. now mm. um 
you know, there's a whole there's a whole field which is the biomedical approach, which talks about the chemicals in your brain that says the imbalance of this sort of will lead to a mental health issue. That's one school mm-hmm. of thought. Like over the last few years, there's been a lots of talk around. You know, there are other aspects, right? The the the, the your environment determines some of these things that happen. Um, you know, the way you were brought up um, could determine it trauma that you faced as a child, whether it's, you know, big trauma with a capital T where there's been something significant that's happened, or even the way that your, your parents have talked to you, your friends have treated you, whatever it is, all of this accumulates. And at a certain point, there might be a trigger which might, you know, get you on this journey, right? Um, mm. So I, I wouldn't say that you know, there are obviously some people who are more prone to probably having it. And genetics is a big part of it. At least that's what the research says. But it does not mean that, you know, every single person is going to get it, right? I mean, yeah. like uh, one of the one of my colleagues says, if you have a mind, you probably have a mental health issue. So we have to remember that it's a spectrum, that all of us at some some point in our life will probably deal with a little bit of some sort of mental health issue, whether it's a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of, you know, OCD, a little bit of stress, a little bit of, you know, depression, whatever it is. Um, So it is a spectrum. There are lots of different triggers, which it's impossible for us to almost say, okay, that's a trigger. That's a trigger. I'm going to stay away from that. It's impossible almost. Um, but I truly believe that, you know, taking care of your mind, body, spirit, right from day one, as children, if we are taught about it, if we are, if you're being really intentional about it, the chances are that, you know, you, even if you get it, even if something happens to you, you're, you're more equipped to deal with it. Um, mm. So, yeah, so, so I, I, I mean, I could go on about, you know, like I do think labels are sometimes mm. useful. But after yeah. a certain point, it stops becoming useful, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the stats in the country are pretty pretty significant. There are only yeah. 9,000 psychiatrists in the country. Mm-hmm. That's one for every 130,000 people. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's shocking, right? And we, yeah. we, uh, a lot of, you know, we, we don't have enough therapists around. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the care that's out there is it's, it's quite it's it's quite difficult for people to get the right diagnosis, firstly. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a certain point, you know, whether I have bipolar disorder, or whether I have depression, anxiety, at the end of the day, I'm still a human being, right? right? So I always try and say, yes, it's something I have, but it's not going to stop me from living a full life. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's the decision that I took when it finally settled upon me that, okay, fine, I've got this, I've got to deal with it. How do I live my life? And that's kind of my journey, right? Which is mm. saying, I have this, but I, I want a full potential life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Daniel. Tell me, so of course you are fully functional and you have been running this company. You have gone through your, you know, your jobs, working with MNCs. You're married, you have a kid. Everything, your life is like full. What <laughs> aspects yeah. of your life, Daniel, you know, as they say, that just because you're carrying it so well, it doesn't mean that it's light, you know. No. So what are, the, yeah. what are the aspects that you're carrying so well that the world sort of doesn't see? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I can, you know, the fact that I'm on this podcast with you is, mm-hmm. is a, I guess, a culmination of multiple things, right? Mm-hmm. Firstly, um, in... 
I, th- I think in, in many respects, I, I think I was lucky. I, I feel I was, um, I probably, this happened when I was much older, right? I was a lot more mature. I'd seen the world. I kind of, I was already on this journey of kind of self-exploration, understanding myself. Um, I was at a point where it didn't kind of stop me, um, you know? And then like there were multiple reasons. I think my, my upbringing, the way my, especially my mom has had an influence on me, um, all those values, I think, kicked in by by me being this super optimistic person, um, and I totally get that from her by saying, "Okay, I've got this, but but then what can we do about it?" Right? Let's be. And then my rational brain kicked in and said, "Okay, I've got it. Now what do I do about it?" Um, so what you see today is probably you know me working really really hard for six years, uh, doing multiple different things, probably failing at half of them. But, you know, I, I think I've learned a few things along the way, right? One is, um, I think it really, you know, it totally depends. I mean, there are multiple things that, that help. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, luckily for me, I had a good, really good doctor. I had a good therapist at that point. Uh, it helped mm-hmm. me over that initial hump. Um, my family was really supportive. I had amazing colleagues who could really understand. I was quite open about this right from the beginning, right? I, I wasn't hiding any of this. Um, and, and, uh, uh, like, again, that, that's being almost lucky in many ways because a lot of people don't have that support. So especially in our country, if something like this happens, you know, there is a lot of stigma attached to it. There's a lot yeah. of shame, there's a lot of guilt. That's very surprising, Dan. And I'm going to sort of interfere here. You did not face anything when you disclosed about Bipura because one, the understanding wasn't there. Did they understand what you were going through at that point? And yeah, that's a good question. So, so again, like when I so so I guess what I did was I contained it in the beginning, right? So mm. for me, it was my wife um, mm. who was you know this rock for for me who really mm. helped me through this, and that happened mm. literally the first year of my life. It was just her and me. And Are you already my, married then? Twenty fifteen. Yeah, I was my. Yeah, I was married oh, then. We had just gotten we, we married. It was a year. Mm. It was it was a year into our marriage, so it was a new marriage. My you know my wife didn't realize all of this was happening, so it was it was a huge like when you talk like you know that's a challenging part of it, right? Like yeah. you, for the for the person like who has to deal with this, it's difficult mm. for me, of course. Like I remember not getting out of bed and going to have a shower for so many days. So it's difficult for me, yes, but it's also equally difficult, or probably more difficult for the person who is with me. Right. So we had to figure out our own relationship, like what, like what are the boundaries? What, like she didn't want to walk in eggshells all over, all the, all the time. Right. Um, So that really took some time. So, you know, I I think now after six years, we kind of have a good understanding. She's my first, you know, port of call. She knows when, you know, my moods are not great. She sort of says that, but, but that is because we've, you know, gone through the rough patches. It's been, you know, it's not, it's not all, um, what do you say, blue skies. It's, 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 yeah. it's quite difficult stuff as well. Uh, so, so, the first, so for the first one year or so, it was my wife, my mom probably, and my colleagues, right? My colleagues around were, they probably didn't understand too much of what I was going through. But uh, luckily, I was in a multicultural organization, which is around the world, which kind of, we were, they were quite progressive about it. Um, so I did not like go and broadcast it out to the world like I am doing right now <laughs> for, for a certain amount of time, right? So mm. even even close family, for example, I probably done done that in the last one year. Um, so so this thing about stigma, the thing about thing, I am facing it even now. So because but because I'm 
you know rooted in the fact that i have gone through the you know the deepest darkest times and i can still stand fairly stable right now and have a mature conversation i think it's okay for me to do this now you know mm-hmm. but I think the message I want to give to anyone hearing this is like, I think each person is at their own point in their journey, right? If you're just starting off, like if you sit and tell 20 people, it's going to be a really difficult time for you because a lot of people don't understand it, which is okay. Um, but it feels like you, I think you need to be a little bit strong enough to, you know, broadcast it out to a lot of different people. Um, so, so yeah, so I think I've had my journey and I've kind of slowly progressed on that when te- telling people about it. Mm-hmm. Daniel, you, of course, now you're working in the mental health field. You're trying mm. to, you know, yeah. get people together, support them. We're going to uh, come to that in a bit. But before that, I asked this question to everyone who has been, go- who has gone through this is that what has been your journey with medications? Uh, and when I'm talking about journey with medications, A, I want to know that, are you happy with your, you know, your progress so yeah, far? Yeah, A, yeah. B, B, I always sort of doubt this because I told you like we have mental health in my family, mm-hmm. uh, mental illness in my family. So I always ask this, that do you feel, because you are an intelligent, fully functional person, do you feel that there is a lag in the research when it comes to medications that we need to dig deeper? to bipolar yeah. or uh, clinical depression or yeah. so and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think this is for anything that comes on the spectrum, right? So mm. uh, unfortunately, we are in the age where we, we see something, we see a symptom, we just want to throw meds at it and get rid of it, mm. um, right? And mm. and I think, firstly, if I, if I had to talk about my own experience, I, I think luckily, again, for me, whether it was a doctor who was really good, who was really senior, I luckily didn't have, you know, too many side effects. Um, I, I'm, I'm still on meds. I still take, um, uh, you know, one, one a day. It doesn't have too many side effects. Um, it's, I, I know it's impacting my digestive system for sure. That's because I'm being aware of that. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I feel, you know, not everyone's going to be like me, right? Um, I've, I've heard so many different cases of people who just don't respond to meds. Um, now, there are multiple reasons for that. One is, is that the right medicine for you? Uh, we don't know because it's still quite an inexact in science. Uh, and mm-hmm. if the person you're going to is, you know, we're just trying to try different things, um, it might not work for you. Right? That's mm-hmm. one. The other thing is if, if you're focused only on meds, it's never going to work. right? Because a mental health issue is a, is a holistic we need to take a holistic approach. You have, we have to take care of what we put in our body, our, you know, the food that we eat. We just did a workshop now on the importance of gut and mental health, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't take care of your gut bacteria, it's going to impact the way you feel and, and, your, and your mental health. It, it's been proven. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you don't get enough exercise, if you don't get enough movement, if you don't mm-hmm. have, you know, some sort of spiritual connection, whether it is, you know, prayer, meditation, or it is a sense of purpose. Um, you know, all of this makes a difference. So I always say, you know, there are four energies that we need to kind of look at. One is the physical energy, the mental energy, the emotional energy, and the spiritual energy. And all of this in, you know, in totality is, is like helps a fully functioning body. 
So uh, the meds and the therapy, all that is really good when it works, when you get a good doctor. I, I truly believe that, you know, if it's working for a person, amazing, just go for it. Right. But at the end of the day, that's still foundational. It, but, you know, you build a strong foundation, but the, the bricks of the house, the motor, the cement, that is the other stuff that you need to do. You know, the, the work on yourself that, you know, the mind, the, I talked about the four different energies. All of that is, you know, the, it's a little bit up to the person to try out in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you get the fully functioning house. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's my philosophy on, on meds. I think it's good if it works. But it's it's the start. It it cannot. It, it is not a silver bullet because the we know this that the mental health issues is is not just imbalance of chemicals. It's not that right. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a it's a function of so many different things that have happened to you in life. So, for example, if you haven't resolved a trauma that has happened in your childhood, there mm-hmm. is no there's no point sitting and putting meds into your body. It's not going to help. It might help for six months, but then it's going to come back again. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're putting mm-hmm. junk into your into your stomach every single day, it's not going to help you in six months. So so that's why I really believe in the holistic approach and taking care of everything. And meds is one of the things that you have to take care of. So when we're talking about the holistic approach, yeah. you also mentioned about your spiritual journey. Yeah. Tell me in terms of you saying the trauma cannot be healed by meds alone. I totally agree there. So. In terms of the alternate therapy, do you say that, you know, meditation or hypnotherapy or things like these is what one should consider as well? So again, I'm not a medical professional, so everything mm. I'm sharing is from my own experience. Yes. Um, I, I think that, you know, if, you, if the person that you're going to or the, you know, the service that you're availing is, you know, really good person and they've you know they they have some sort of um i guess credibility um then then it's you know why not try it out um but but i i think sometimes we put way too much expectations on a certain thing right we hear about hypnotherapy and we say wow i want to try that out it's going to solve everything but 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 because you know mental health issues it's so complex there are so many things happening you know, there are some foundational aspects, right? So, for example, mm-hmm. research has told us that sleep is the biggest thing that you can do. Having good sleep is the biggest thing you can do for good mental health. So, you know, you don't need to go f- to anyone for that. If you can have a good nighttime routine, if you can figure out how you get eight hours of good sleep every single day, like that by itself is a foundational aspect that will serve you for the rest of your life, right? Movement, good food, um, whether it's, you know, movement, whether it's exercise, yoga, all of that, it all helps. So there are foundational aspects, which like, I think all of us as human beings need to do, um, that will help us. And on top of that, if you want to add in, you know, whether it's your hypnotherapy, whether it's, um, you know, nature therapy, there are multiple different things. And Mm -hmm. it's quite honestly, I think if you go with an open mind and not be too attached to the outcome or, um, you know, sort of thing, I, I think it's totally okay. Uh, as long as you're going to a person who's credible, who's, you know, uh, who knows what they're doing, who's mature, all of that stuff. Um, yeah, so so I'm not like, 
I'm not saying hypnotherapy is good because I've never tried it, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm saying there is no silver bullet. Uh, so yeah. I, I do think it's useful to try something because, like you know, that, that's why we believe in a holistic approach. Right? We believe mm-hmm. that you know you not just have to work on yourself, um, but it's difficult. It's difficult to do this by yourself all the time, which is why we have a community model. We have multiple different types of workshops um, and. You know, some people are attracted to something, some people, so for example, on this gut and mental health workshop that we did, I know there are a few people who are going to go back and really start working on their gut, right? And are you going to see those results in three days? No, but it'll take at least six months, right? But mm. but, but it's really, really important. And and I think that's, that's why we're trying to expand the field beyond just meds, therapy, and try to go a little bit beyond and say, here are some foundational elements that are important for you. Mm. Tell me, uh, Daniel, uh, about your organization that you're building to, you know, so so I was going through a website and it's written that goal is to build a safe mental health community that builds trust and um, our wholeness and holistic approach to life. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a couple of things that that you guys do to build some, build something like this. And also when you say about building a safe mental health community, mm, mm. how do you define that? Yeah. So that's a really good question. So, so firstly, um, so because you, we are a mental health social enterprise, so we're a mission driven mm. business and mm. we work with individuals and organizations to help people really focus on their mental health, right? So put it at the center of your world, because we know that if you do that, it will have a massive impact on every single part of your life, whether it's your relationships, your career, the way you show up in the world, it will have that. So we work um, in the beginning, It's we've, we've been around, we, I, I think we launched on September 27th officially, so it's been less than a year now. Uh, we started with saying, let's build a community of people uh, and work with individuals. So. Uh, the way we're doing that is, um, you know, we, we bring in people in groups. We have sort of facilitated programs. Um, and through the, you know, through the programs, we get people to really understand that, okay, what I'm going through is difficult, but there are also other people like me, maybe. And it doesn't have to be that, you know, all of us are dealing with bipolar or depression or whatever. It could be any sort of emotional distress. Hmm. Um, and the one, number one feedback that we've had is, on the programs, you feel that, you know, suddenly I'm not alone because, you know, the, the journey on mental health is, is very, very difficult and lonely, right? And suddenly you see that, okay, the, the issues or the challenges that I'm facing, someone else is facing in a different way. Um, you know, something that they have done, the perspective that they have, the worldview that they have, that mm-hmm. suddenly interested me. I, I'm thinking of some doing something new in my own way, right? So we what we really want to do is get people to be curious about, the fact that all of us are whole, we are beautiful human beings. Having a mental health issue does not make you lesser than who you are as a person. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think that's really, really important for all of us to understand because the stigma is so big that if you have a mental health issue, you cannot live a fully functional life. And I really want to, you know, like we want to be that those people who say, you know what, you will get through the tunnel. We have the belief in you. There are some of us who are somewhere down the tunnel, a little mm-hmm. farther off, you know, and we will mm-hmm. we will guide you. It will take time because each one you have to have it at your own pace. Right. Um, but we, we will kind of, you know, be there. Uh, so that's why. So we believe a lot in groups. Uh, we you know, there is a lot of amazing stuff that's happening. One on one online therapy. 
uh, apps, all of that, all great stuff. Um, so we are kind of an additional element, which is let's do stuff in groups and community because that's always, you know, the, 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 we were inherently, we are inherently social animals, right? Uh, so yeah. can we build, go on this journey of self-discovery, try to see what works for us in a group of people? Um, mm. So that's what we're trying to do. That's with individuals, with organizations. We do multiple different types of programs and we're doing, you know, sort of long-term programs with either six months or one year long. And we're sort of piloting a bunch of stuff this year. You know, so it's been one year. It's been a really exciting ride for us. And probably by the end, beginning of, you know, 2022, we'll have a re some really good, you know, insights about what really works in groups. What is it that we can help people to, you know, sort of shine the light on some of the gifts that we have, right? So, so when we talk about wholeness, let me just give you an example, right? When we talk about wholeness, what we mean is, uh, firstly, it's important to focus on the mind, body, spirit, those different energies that I talked about. That's one. But mm -hmm. the other thing is, especially when you're going through emotional distress or you have depression or whatever it is, you like usually what we do is we focus on that one part of you. Right? That, that is what is projecting out into the world. But we also have multiple other sides of us, parts of us, uh, where, you know, for example, I'm a dad, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm a creative person, I'm, you know, I, I, I love having interactions with people. All those sides of me gets hidden because this depression thing is right there in the front, you know? So, like, we, we believe that all of that is part of you. And sometimes when it's difficult, you also got to remember that, you know, you, you've got all these good stuff hidden in the back and you've got to keep putting that up in the front. And sometimes when everything is good, you know, sometimes you don't feel great, but you're showing up because you're saying, okay, this is me. I'm not trying to judge myself too much. Um, I have all this stuff with me and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a whole person. So, yeah, so it's, it's been an exciting raid and we're, you know, we, people can sort of look at our website because you dot iron, we've got multiple different workshops and programs. Um, and over the next few months, we'll be, you can also check out our Instagram handle uh, where there's a bunch of stuff that we do. And um, yeah, that's tell, that's how we tell me, that, tell me, Daniel, when it, when you're talking about stigma and you're saying that the stigma is still huge, you know. So when mm. people come to you, uh, or you are approaching people or organizations to work in groups, mm -hmm. companies, do you see that in the next couple of years we're going to be sort of we're heading towards a space where the stigma will get completely eradicated and we can talk about, people are not going to be shying away from talking about whatever issues they're facing in the workspace, especially. In the workspace, that will take a really long time. There are companies probably who are more progressive than others, mm, right? yeah. where, where you have really good mental health uh, policies in place, where, for example, the person who's, you know, um, who's writing the policies or maybe the head of HR or, or the CEO themselves, they, they probably have, a, you know, they, they have a lived experience of a mental health issue or they have someone in their family, right? And that's when it becomes real. That's when it's, it becomes not, a, you know, let's celebrate World Mental Health Day and let's do a program for everyone. That's just, you know, like putting a band-aid, right? We need a continuous kind of uh, over over the year, what, what are you doing with your employees? So like 
you know the workspace i feel is going to be the longest time to you know the this for the stigma to create like get eradicated like you're saying i mm. i i personally don't i i just think it's a spectrum we are just going to get better yes but in different places it's going to be difficult um, mm. i think families is a very difficult place especially intergenerational um mm. you know especially with you know i don't know in your family how it is but i know that in my family the older generations will take more time we don't really they don't um you know there is an education gap and not no one's fault right it's just that we never talked about it 20 years ago whereas now you see the millennials everyone's talking about anxiety and depression and you know the therapies become a um, it's a, it's become a you know it's very easy for people to access it and people are happy to do it but within your own family you know you'll probably be more okay talking about it with your friends than probably talking to it with your dad right mm-hmm. and, and i've seen this with people mm-hmm. um so it's quite an impossible question to answer i'm sorry but i mm. think it's getting better there's no doubt about it i think that the pandemic has helped the conversation come up to the surface because it's not like we never had issues with mental health before you know the the pandemic hit right but it was it just came to the surface where there was so much that was going on that everything in the past that has happened has also impacted that person and that's why you're asking for help um so Yeah I mean you know what we are doing is we are trying to bring to bring down the stigma by talking about like I talk a lot about my own story uh, we try and you know uh, if uh, you see our Instagram handle the, we talk a lot about the stories of our communities um but but you know it's it's a it's a slow process right and you know what we're doing is we're doing stuff in groups so we're not just trying to you know go over the barrier of stigma but you know can you talk about it in a group of people maybe not most people are probably more comfortable talking about it one on one but we really believe in the power of groups it's not a replacement for one on one it's good to have a one on one therapist but a group process will always help you mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean it'll get better suchita but i cannot tell you a number i'm sorry no but also because you know just like predicting saying that you know perhaps you know the way things are going because you're sitting in because you're dealing with people every day in and out in terms of yeah. are they open about it at least yeah. and yeah. but i know of a lot of people who you know who work in the workspace who have mm. bipolars who have everything you know but they are not comfortable talking about it uh to to their hr or to their office because yeah. they see that they are going to be sacked from the war in from no, the and war, I, and that and that's a systemic thing it's not a we cannot blame the person for not being comfortable right mm. so i'll give you a very valid example so here i am talking about me having bipolar i started this company and i applied for an insurance policy the other day and ah, i very openly mm. said i have you know bipolar disorder and mm. they flatly refused it and that person has said you know no company will give you an insurance if you have bipolar disorder now what can i do like you know it's a systemic issue right if you are if you are in an office you are always going to be you know put yourself in the shoes of someone like me right am mm. i going to be judged by my boss just because they know that i'm sometimes emotionally fragile or i might you know um, you know I'm, i might be prone to mood disorders probably yes because they don't know what i have you know so 
um, it is a systemic thing, which is why it's not gonna. This stigma is not gonna go away in two years. It's it's impossible because it's a, it a, like there are so many things that need to happen. There needs to be education, not just for the person going through with it, through the people, um, you know, in the ecosystem. There needs to be policy level changes, uh, and there, there's multiple, you know, amazing things that are happening already. So yes, it's gonna get better. But it's like I always say this: if you're not comfortable talking about it with your boss or your colleagues, mm. there's probably a good reason, right? Mm. Um, mm. But, mm. but I say being educated about it, being t- talking to people like me or you know in our community, it starts to reduce this burden that we face as people who are going through stuff. Mm. Um, you know, because then you always feel you're you're alone. You don't know how to handle it. Uh, you're always worried about what the other people think, and it's all valid concerns. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, each person is their own journey. When I think when people are comfortable and have the right uh, system around them, we'll probably be talking more about it. But it's, it, it's strange, Daniel. You mentioned about you know the insurance part because I was going to ask mm. you a question on it, and we did an entire episode sixty four on really? insurance. Yeah, and it was about mental health insurance when it comes to you know any health insurance and we spoke to this company that does okay. insurance and there is a specific directive being given also it's in mental mm. health care act 2017 that mm-hmm. every health insurance company has to include mental health yes exactly that's what i thought mm. yeah but why is it not happening right and i like i mean i don't want to be confrontational about it which is why i'm trying to do my you know i'm trying to find out what it is that insurance companies can can do can't do is it within their rights to do this but i i do want to talk about this publicly but i'm going to do it in a non confrontational way um yeah. and I, because it's important like if you know if i can't get insurance for me and my mm. family like yeah. you know what why is it right yeah. i mean i mean i'm fully functional no one has spoken to me and seen what i do or whatever they've just seen bipolar disorder and they've rejected it yeah um, yeah so, so yeah, anyway so, so just quickly coming to this i would sort of also you know ask you to hear this here this episode number 64 where okay. it mentions that uh, a they cannot refuse insurance because mm. that's the directive been given and b that why do they refuse the insurance is because and because you're working in the mental health space there is the reason why they refused insurances because they did not have a clarity or an understanding of exactly what you have and yeah. how can sort of you know they're worried about their aspect that how yeah. what, what if their company sort of gets affected by it because they have to do a lot of the money then you know so mm. I think that aspect needs to get a huge amount of clarity, which this gentleman in episode number sixty-four had given it to us and said that whoever is not getting insurance, please connect with me. You know, oh, perfect. <laughs> so, so I'm just going to ask you for his contact number. I'm going to speak to him. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank you. So, you just saved me a lot of work. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So do do connect with him, and also I think because you're working in the space, it's something that yeah. you know you can raise it because we have been trying to raise it ourselves. You know that how fantastic. Can, I'd love you know, to do this. Yeah. yeah thank so you this so will much. be yeah, this perfect. will be wonderful. So thank you so much, Daniel, for your precious time, and I think we got some great pointers. Thanks so much. Uh, really important work that you're doing. Thanks so much, Sujita. It's been a pleasure. 
For me, there were some great takeaways. One being that be aware about your family history. Second is that keep your mind, body and spirit alive. Work on the three of them. And the third is be aware that you can demand a mental health in your insurance. You can also check out our episode number 64 on mental health insurance. That's it, folks. Take good care of yourself. Stay well. You can ask us questions or follow us on our social media handles, which is Epilogue Media Metaphysical Lab and our new handle on Instagram, The SOS Show Pod. 